0: I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back. And if it's your first time here, it's just fantastic that you found us. I hope you enjoy your stay. Now today I have a guest. I love having guests. If you've been listening to this for any time, you'll know that I love having a guest and You know, I've had some brilliant guests and today is no exception because I've got Kaz Binsted with me. Now we all know that boundaries are important, but in private practice Did you know that maintaining clear boundaries can also help to grow your practice? How cool is that? So yeah, I'm absolutely delighted that in this episode, I've got Kaz Binsted here as my guest. Now, if you don't already know Kaz, Kaz is really well known in the therapy scene here in the UK. And if you haven't come across her, you know, here's a little bit of something about her. Now, Kaz is an experienced therapist and supervisor, and she works full time in private practice. She's a very busy lady. She specialises in the growth and maintenance of ethical thriving practice. Now, Kaz was instrumental in the design and development of the private practice toolkit at the BACP, and she sat on the private practice division as executive lead on the project for four years. Now, she's provided consultation, training, copywriting services and written guidance to hundreds of students and therapists preparing to set up and work in private practice. And as co-lead for the platform Hashtag Therapists Connect, she also created their two-day conference called Private Practice 2021 Surviving and Thriving in Uncertain Times. Now, Kaz has hosted and held workshops on private practice at two BACP student conferences, so in 2019 and 2021. And most recently, she presented at the International Supervision Week. So, yes, what can I say? Kaz is a highly respected counsellor, supervisor, And an advocate for therapists and today she's here to share some amazing insights on making and maintaining boundaries within your private practice in order to best serve your clients to best serve yourself and also to best serve your business so in this call today we're going to take a look at what makes us struggle with setting and enforcing boundaries we're going to check out the benefits of choosing a supervisor that has experience of running a private practice We're going to look at how boundaries can reduce the likelihood of complaints, which is pretty cool. We're going to look at considerations around your own cancellation policy and the importance of understanding the rationale behind your policy. I think you're going to like this one. Kaz, hi. Look, it's really, really brilliant that you've come and joined us on the podcast. I can't wait to get stuck in having a good chat with you. How are you today?
1: Yeah, I'm doing okay, thanks Jane. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be here actually. I know you and I have chatted chatted private practice before and chatted,
0: chatted, chatted, so yeah, good to be here. There's always such a lot to talk about, isn't there? There is, certainly. And today what we're going to do, we're going to have a look at boundaries because I think boundaries are so important both in life obviously in life and it's one of the things that we talk a lot about as counsellors with our clients isn't it so boundaries are such an important thing but when it comes to setting boundaries it's one of those things I think that sometimes can be a bit easier to say that you're going to do and harder to actually choose and then enforce so so let's let's start from the beginning what do we really mean by a business boundary
1: yeah, definitely. I, I wanted to agree with you, by the way, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that. I'm actually just going to start from the word boundary. So boundary in general provides the framework for the therapeutic relationship for which the entire work, therapy work can take place in. Of course, we are therapists as well as private practitioners. So these boundaries could be all kinds of things. They could be kind of interpersonal So they could be things like self-disclosure, but they do. uh, We are talking, of course, about practical things as well. And this is what we're really going to be interested in today. So all the types of things that any private practitioner will be putting in their contracts. And of course, all private practitioners will have had to at some point sat down and thought, right, what am I going to have? in my contract and how am I going to communicate that? So it's really laying down the expectation between yourself and the clients. And I guess I guess, one thing I'm really interested in, and I deliberately started there from boundaries, is because I'm very interested. Whenever I talk about private practice, I talk about ethical and thriving practice. And it's what I'm really interested in. We're obviously here today talking about how clear boundaries can help grow your practice. It's something I feel very passionate about But when I'm working with, I'm a supervisor and I specialise in working with uh, people who are new to private practice. And often people will kind of fall into different camps. So sometimes you'll get people really not wanting to own the business side of private practice. So kind of like, oh, I'm not a business person and, you know, not wanting to step into that. But of course, the therapy that we're doing, we have to look at that in the context of the setting, which is business. But also, on the other hand, you can get people who at times maybe are thinking very, very much about the business side of things and slightly, maybe sometimes in decision, decision making, losing some of the ethical therapeutic process in that. And uh, I mean, I've done a, a a bit of work with uh, well, quite a lot of work with BACP actually and this is a kind of a taboo thing like we don't talk about this kind of stuff because all therapists have to be ethical but actually we need to talk about it because it's so important to talk about because those two things sitting together that the private practice is a business and we are therapists and we need to consider them both and bring that into
0: everything is really 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 important. Absolutely. And I'm listening to you there and I'm thinking to myself about how complex that that makes it, because obviously we have to, we kind of have to juggle around making sure that the client is going to be looked after, taken care of, but also the fact that we have to look after and take care of ourselves as well. And that can make it quite uneasy bedfellows, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that one of the things that can be difficult, I guess, in in, in coming up with uh, business boundaries and of course by that we may mean just to give you a few examples there so may be time boundaries so when when can people contact you in between sessions are you are people able to contact you by email in between sessions things around money this would be a really big one I think we're going to touch a little bit on this today and so things around maybe cancellation policies or if you have a holiday po- uh, policy stuff like that and it's so important because um, actually we really need to take out a- take into account our self-care when we're running private practice and the what one of the things that can happen is if we set unrealistic boundaries or if we kind of don't think our boundaries too properly or we don't stick to our boundaries we break our boundaries routinely or you know it's not good to be breaking boundaries really at all but you know if this is happening it can you know it can have a real adverse effect in so many ways of course on the client's on the relationship, but also on ourselves, we may feel very tired. We may burn out. We may feel resentful. So there's a lot to, yeah, there's a lot to consider, and uh, yeah, it's not always it's not always easy to um, necessarily get it right. But of course, one of our big responsibilities is a being able to think through. Uh, what our boundaries are, and B, being able to communicate those, and how I guess think about how we communicate those, and how we apply them consistently in our practice.
0: Mm. And I think that's quite—it's quite difficult. I think you know, I, I said we did have a chat a little bit, you know, just before we started, and I was saying, well. It's easy to make boundaries, but harder to enforce. And, you know, you pointed out how actually it's not always easy to make because there are so many different things to consider, aren't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's one of the things actually that private practitioners can sometimes, new private practitioners can sometimes think, Oh, you know, this stuff, there's there's one answer. There's one answer to everything. I know, you know, Jane, you, you do a brilliant job with your private practice club and all of that. And uh, I've run all kinds of workshops and things in the past. And often people, people like to kind of come and say, what's the answer to this? And what's the answer to that? And sometimes there is an answer. And sometimes, actually, there's not. It's more about you know it, you have to decide that yourself, and you have to kind of really be able to think about that and understand the rationale for why you may come up with that. So, if, if, if you're, for example, setting a cancellation policy, why might you choose, I don't know, 48 hours, for example? And how does that sit with you, actually? Mm-hmm. How does it sit with you in general? How does it sit? How, how is it for you? communicating that to people and I think that there's a lot of things connected to that so yeah so I think it's not always easy to come up with them sometimes it is but it's certainly it then takes us into another level when it's about kind of applying them
0: consistently yeah and I think you make a really good point you know I think it's the fact that there isn't just one particular way to do something is both a blessing and a curse isn't it I mean it's a blessing because it means that you can make your business really work for you you can do the hours that you want to do work in the way that's right for you but equally it means that there's a lot more decision making which when especially if you're new to, to counseling if you're new to private practice then that decision making can make you feel quite anxious that can bring about all sorts of worries and fears can't it
1: yeah 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 it's it's one of the biggest things actually it's why I've been so passionate about a lot of a lot of work that I've done recently with the BACP because I think that being able to make decisions as a new private practitioner it can be quite daunting actually and it also I guess confidence is something that for me is a really big part of running a private practice and like not that kind of external confidence but internal deep internal confidence and for, for me that means you know actually a lot of self-exploration so you might have to actually say to yourself how is it for me even enforcing boundaries you know what what how does that feel like for me because I, I sometimes I think that people people think you know I'll, I'll just I'll just set up my private practice I'll I'll book a room somewhere or maybe I don't even do that these days I'll just set up in my in my house and I'll do it online and it will all be fine but actually there are lots and lots of steps in terms of preparation and you know reflecting on things and I really want to say to anyone listening actually who's thinking about setting up a private practice or starting setting up a private practice that's okay you know don't feel this sometimes I, I think about people going into social media groups and feeling a lot of pressure Or, you know, I've got to have this many clients, you know, I've got to get this done. Or am I a failure because this hasn't happened so quick, as quickly as I thought it would? No, you know, really, actually, in order to have thriving practice, I don't know how long you worked in private practice, Jane, but I've worked 10 years in private practice. And actually, it's an investment. Everything you're doing is not just thinking about the short term, um, and this includes stuff around boundaries, but in
0: how you're investing into your business for the long term. Absolutely. I was in practice 14 years, actually, and it's a surprise when I think about it because it it feels like it was like five minutes, but... <laughs> It it is. And I think also something that can often happen is that when we start out in private practice, you know, the the simple part of the fact of starting in private practice is literally you're going to sit with another person, whether in a room or somewhere else, and talk to them. And that's quite, you know, you don't need a lot for that. And if you've got into your head that, right, that's how it's going to be. I just need some clients. I just need to have a place to work. And it can be quite a shock to realise that there are all these other things like, you know, obviously you're talking about contracting, thinking about boundaries, but also marketing. They also all take far longer than we think they're going to, don't they? They all take, you know, tw- at least twice as much time as we think it's going to take. And that can be a real shock, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So how about we take an example of a boundary and do a little bit of a deep dive on it. So if we take an example of, say, a cancellation policy, let's just talk through how we might choose a cancellation policy and see just how that sort of works out. I mean, what would be the first thing you might think of?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, it's kind of one of the things that I think a lot of private practitioners struggle with the most and also, one of the things that, if anything's going to come a bit of a cropper, it's going to be that. what i from what I know from complaints, there's a lot that comes up around cancellation policies and uh, you know uh, uh, miscommunication or the clients thinking one thing, and the therapist saying another. so this is this is really important. And and again, it's one of those things where there's no hard and fast answers. And I think I mean I can remember back when when I was setting my own um, give the glory days. (laughs) That's right, (laughs) setting my own cancellation policy and. I I didn't know. I didn't know what, what mine was going to be. And and I don't think I necessarily started off with what I have now. I and mean, I think that would, that would be a point that I'd like to make. You know, in order to commit to something, we're not necessarily committing forever, but sometimes it is important to commit. So rather than, oh, do I do 72 hours or do I not? Oh, on Monday, I feel like I might. And on Thursday, I feel like <laughs> I might not. Rather than that. Better to commit to it. And then if like, you know, a couple of months down the line, you're feeling like, actually, this isn't working with my next clients, I'm going to change that. Okay, yeah. so, so, and I think that's a really important point because part of private practice is learning on the job. You know this is a niche sector. It's something that i but I believe it's really important that people people can you know learn what it's like to to work in the private sector. and um, remember when we work uh, when we're trainees or we work in placements or when we work for organizations, there's a whole load of scaffolding around us. So we have our supervisors, but there may also be like, I don't know, like a placement manager or organization manager a clinical director, maybe someone else. There may be a whole bunch of people who have set policies and also when there's some kind of problem who you can then go to to talk about it. When you're in private practice, you don't have any of that scaffolding. Essentially, the buck stops with you, which makes your supervisor actually very, very important, which I'll get on to later. But, yeah, it's, it's actually it, these decisions, they're, they're very yeah. It's crucial that you can take your time... Don't panic too much about it. It's easy for me to say that. I know people do panic about it, but you don't necessarily need to. You can commit and you can think I can change things later down the line if they don't feel right. So you're learning on the job and you're taking things to supervision and you're reflecting on things and you're seeing how things are and how things work for you. But I would use the words kind of confidence and rationale. So if i'm thinking about setting a policy like a cancellation policy i want to understand my rationale so why do i think that 48 hours is a good idea and actually really thinking that through okay how would i feel about that as a client and you know how how do i how do i sit with that as a therapist do i feel okay about it because believe me if you don't feel okay about it when someone questions you on that you're less likely to actually stick to
0: it yeah you just won't have any confidence around it will you
1: yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely so confidence again coming in as a really really important thing and I would say actually you know I'm not advocating for setting absolutely balmy boundaries business boundaries but you know even if you did if you set them and you communicated them and you stuck to them That would be preferable to not feeling, not having thought anything through and not understanding rationale and chopping and changing because it's the chopping and changing and the inconsistency that can actually lead to all kinds of problems um, for you, for your clients, for your business, for the therapeutic relationship and for, again, yeah, for your confidence. Yeah, so many things. Yeah.
0: I often think that the first the boundary around cancellation I think often we start with a 24-hour boundary of let me have 24 hours notice what I tend to see an experience that I have of seeing clients is that the more experience that they get the more confident they are in putting boundaries in place that are right for them and the more confident they are mm-hmm. in maintaining those boundaries so I sometimes see the the, the counsellors that have more time as a counsellor more experience under their belt often do have a, a lot longer cancellation period because they have the confidence behind that and I just think that that's sometimes because they fully understand the I don't know maybe I'm talking out of turn here but I, I think sometimes as a counsellor, when you've been doing it for a while, you can really understand the impact of, of the client not coming when we're trying to encourage them to come regularly. I've said that in a clumsy way, but do you, know, you know what I mean, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. I do understand what you mean. It's actually very relevant to this conversation because what you're doing there is you're bringing in the business with the therapy. So it's there, we're thinking, therefore, about actually yeah and it's maybe more more advanced how yeah what's going on in the relationship there and how do i tie that to my business boundaries in terms of how i think about policies like this and you know the maybe uh, how people come or whatever and of course people will dis- may may disagree with that or whatever but again, if we're thinking about rationale, well, what you just did there was you were thinking it through and, and saying, this is how I see it, actually. So, so, so important. And, you know, I think that if we took something simple like a cancellation policy, there are other things that come with that. So it's not necessarily just 72 hours. What, what are you going to do about sickness? Do you include that? Do you not? Okay, what about holidays? So when you say, here's my, that's my cancellation policy, do you expect when people don't come that it's because they're actually physically away on holiday? In which case, do you define holiday in your contract or do you not? Is it okay for them to just... I don't know, be on a work dinner or not come or whatever. And yeah, and, uh, you know, some people have holiday allowance. They may say, actually, you can take off this amount of time in a year or whatever. So there's a lot of different things that come with that. But I think coming back to what you were saying, Jane, I think there's something for me about how we think about, I guess, clear boundaries helping grow practice in the long term as well as the short term. Because, of course, we may set kind of boundaries in the, in, in the short term. We may think, oh, I'll do that because it feels, it feels easier and, and things like that. But, but actually, we, we may actually want to think, oh, actually, this is something I need to do. I need to put in a longer cancellation period because actually that's easier for me. And that enables me to know what I'm doing or to save myself some time. And also when we're thinking about keeping consistency in boundaries. So sometimes people think, oh, you know, oh, I really, I really don't want to lose that client. Yes. yeah, I don't want to lose that client. So I don't want to say my boundary to them. So I just won't
0: charge them for that session. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fine in the short term. <laughs> right. And that okay. sort of, <laughs> it brings up for me about this, this feeling as. And especially with a new counsellor, this feeling that as a counsellor, everything has to be on the, you know, it has to be all about the client. And of course, it's got to be about the client in a lot of respects, but it has to also be balanced. So it's not just about the needs of the counsellor, the client, it's also about the needs of the counsellor. And I think that sometimes we can have such such a drive to please people or just a drive to help people that we can forget ourselves within that. It then becomes a little bit unbalanced because it's all about how can I make this work for them? And I've sometimes seen people work at very strange times that don't really fit in with them, uh, fit in with their life in an effort to, like you say, either make sure that those people keep coming or to get them in the first place. And again, I think that's something that can sometimes happen when we first start being counsellors. I mean, would you would would you agree with that? Yeah,
1: I do agree with that. Yeah, I think it's it, I, I think it is something that's seen more when people start off, and it's something to really talk to your supervisor about and be aware of what's what maybe going on there because you know, and I know that particularly at the moment, and because of the pandemic and stuff, it's been a lot of people have been burnt out or maybe on the verge of burnout. And this is a serious thing. It's something to take very seriously. I mean, as a therapist, but particularly in private practice. And I think because in private, when you're in private practice, particularly full-time private practice, you might feel less inclined to take time off Yes. or think, you know, I can't, oh, I feel a bit on the edge, but I can't possibly stop my business because that's my sole income. So it's much more tricky managing that. So actually you don't want to get to that point. So anything you can do to mitigate i guess so it's all those little things like you're talking about jane are actually really important because the more you're kind of bending yourself oh i'll do this and i'll do that and i'll agree to this and i'll agree to that it's fine it may be fine in the short term or it may feel fine but it may not feel fine like a few months down the line or even a year down the line
0: yeah so it's really really important yeah I was going to say we're looking at the, you know, that's it's interesting the impact that it can have on us. That it can, you know, ultimately, if left unchecked, it can leave us feeling very burnt out. And I see that in counselors. I see that in counselors that are trying to fit in all the time around what other people want. I suppose I'm just wondering what the impact is on the clients of the boundaries. You know, what are the positive effects of boundaries and possibly negative effects of boundaries on the client?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the, for me, boundaries means safety. You know, that's that's a big word for me. Whether anything can be 100% safe is debatable, but it provides a sense of safety because there's that kind of that frame. So whatever's happening in the work, there's something that's remaining consistent, which is the frame. Okay, and there will be things that's happening in the therapy work that may well then come out in terms of like, boundaries may they, they may be I don't know boundaries being pushed or whatever and actually if we can hold the frame that can be important very very important for the work and also for exploration to talk about things and stuff like that but it's it's also predictability you know the client is coming if we think about any kind of business as well and this is a therapy business but if we think about any kind of business there's something about expectations the client's coming and it's very clear this is where I come, this is the time, <laughs> you know, this is what I expect. And there's no kind of surprises. And I think when this, when it starts to get a bit messy, that's when problems start to occur. And actually that's when harm in therapy can also happen. Because, you know, if you think about the power dynamic in the therapeutic relationship, well, we we're always going to have more power than the client so and we have to take that into consideration so if we come back to that example of kind of breaking a boundary because we think oh you know i don't want to lose that client you know i don't want them to leave so i'll just not charge them for that session even though it's chargeable okay and then three months down the line they cancel again in the same way so payment would be due and then you you go through with um charging them and they might quite rightly say, well, hang on a minute.
0: You didn't do it last time. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that can actually cause quite a lot of problems. Yeah. OK, because remember, bending boundaries is very different to breaking boundaries. So we will bend boundaries occasionally in our work when there's a therapeutic reason for doing so. OK, but that's very and, and, and with that, of course, comes with thinking it through. You know, so we've actually thought it through and we're doing it for a reason. But when we're just breaking a boundary and when that may be maybe due to kind of business things, not to do with the therapy, that's a different matter. Yeah. And that can cause problems. And, of course, it can be harmful for the client. It can be hurtful for the client. It can be confusing. Client, sorry? Confusing for the client. Confusing for yeah. the client. Cause all kinds of problems in the relationship. You know, and, of course, if you're doing this kind of thing consistently, you're not going to have a very stable practice. You're not going to feel very confident as a practitioner. You're going to be yourself maybe uh, in danger of having a complaint put in against you, which could be upheld if, you know, it it can be shown that actually you've been breaking your own contract and maybe that's, you've not been discussing things in supervision, you know. And of course, we're thinking about the long-term effects of business as well, because Actually, when people are coming for therapy, you know, they're, they're coming for therapy. They, they're co- they choosing to come and, and many, ther- many clients will come and they'll, they'll, well, I hope they try out different therapists on their initial session. For me, the relationship is very important in therapy. And hopefully if they come, to come for therapy with me, it's because they feel comfortable with me and they feel like they can do, they can kind of uh, explore their life with me. And actually, they put a great deal of trust in me in that. Um, And what I hope for my clients is that I can keep my part of the bargain, if you like, and be that safe, predictable person with the frame, at least, delivering what I have said I will deliver and hopefully being, you know, as best a therapist as I can be, you know, and then it's good for everyone. You know, it's good for me because I feel... I feel like, you know, Okay, I'm growing and I'm learning on the job. It's certainly good for the client. And when they leave, you know, hopefully, unless things, you know, I mean, anything can happen in therapy. But if it's a good ending, then they'll leave feeling like they've been held in that space. And you know, it may be good for my business as well in the long term because they may well. I mean, I work in Southwest London. There's lots of people who work uh, work in the city who live here. So uh, referrals is a big part of growing your practice. So after ten years, I imagine probably my name has been. Well, I know it does because I get people contacting me saying I've heard your name. So you know, remember this in terms of growing your business. Actually, if if you are a kind of a solid therapist delivering your business in a in a solid ethical way this is
0: good for your business
1: overall it's good for
0: everybody absolutely i mean people don't always like the boundaries that we have i mean i remember the very first counselor that i went to like back in the day and i was only what in my early 20s i think basically if you had to cancel a session you just had to pay for it and i couldn't even afford counseling at the time it was a really big push so i would never cancel a session because i thought well if i'm paying for it i'm going to get the benefit of it so that worked for me because it meant that it encouraged me to make an extra effort to get to the sessions and because it's that continuity that you need isn't it so people aren't necessarily going to like having to pay if they don't come for example they might not be very happy with it but there's always a reason that these things happen there's always a reason that we do things to encourage people to come regularly so, and the other thing that just came into my head when when you were talking as well is, I think if somebody's been coming to you for a long time, I think that if if we're not careful, sometimes some of those boundaries can get a little bit blurred, and we can start feeling quite friendly towards them, and that can be quite. I mean, I I know I've certainly experienced that with somebody in in the past where you know, you, you, there are some clients that you particularly get on well with. And I think at times like that, it's so important to keep those boundaries there so that you can, you know, it reminds you that you are in a professional relationship, that you do have to keep those boundaries there, that you do have to stay ethical, because otherwise it it breaks down, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Such a good point, Jane. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And on your point before, two things from that reminded me of something really important to say. So first of all, yeah, sometimes clients clients won't like you keeping the boundaries. And that that's a that's a essential essential point to bring up, but but still it's keeping it the same. And hopefully that can be talked about. You know, that's stuff to explore in the work. So yeah, so a good point to note. Secondly, at the beginning of the work. So, in terms of communicating your boundaries, and I think we were going to talk about, you know, advice I might have for how to, you know, how to make and communicate effective boundaries. You know, at the beginning of the work, it's so important to be communicating those boundaries. Okay. Because if someone doesn't like your boundaries, that's okay. They don't have to have therapy with you. Yes. Yeah. So, so it may be that, uh, like in your case, Jane, that you didn't like the boundaries, but you decided to have therapy anyway and it actually worked okay for you. Or it might be that actually somebody says, I want to come for fortnightly sessions, for example, and the person may say, I only do weekly sessions. And this is this is an example of, of something in private practice where the private practitioner may make the decision to only offer weekly sessions. And that may be for therapeutic reasons, Or it may be for business reasons or it may be for a mixture of both. Again, it would be good to have a rationale for why you make that decision so that you can tell clients if if they ask. But, you know, if someone says, well, no, I only want fortnightly. Okay, no, that's that's absolutely fine, but that's not what I offer. But there will be plenty of people in this area who will offer fortnightly. Yeah. Now, new private practitioners may be sitting here thinking, What? Why? Why would I send the client elsewhere? (laughs) You know, but again, this is part of growing practice. Actually, I'll see if Jane agrees. But I would say, you know, actually, when you're growing your practice, if you take on clients who are not going to work with you, it's not going to be kind of It's not going to be good for, for for you or the client or the business. Actually, it's much better, even if it means losing the odd person. You you'll get the people. That are right for your business and they'll also get the right therapists for them as well. So I yeah. think that's a really good important part of it. And so important that that you therefore communicate very clearly these boundaries at the start of the work.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, like I say, there's a temptation, especially if you sort of really need some more clients, there's a temptation to say, so if somebody phones up and says, Oh, the only time I can do is like seven o'clock on a Friday night. You have to bear in mind that that might be okay for a week or two, but what if they become a long-term client and they're with you for like three years and that means every Friday night you'll be working, you know? So we have to really think it through that if you see somebody fortnightly, that potentially could mean that you only, you know, that's the other space, you know, if you see them fortnightly, so the, the space in between couldn't go go along not get filled and that obviously that has an impact as well doesn't it so it's really important to like you say really think in advance what it is that you want and just have the courage really to go for it because you will find the right people for you
1: yeah yeah absolutely you know and find the right supervisor as well there's a couple of things that I will bang on as really really important as I as I was saying earlier there's a lot of things that you can make make your own choices for in private practice but two of the things that I think are really really essential are uh you know contracts I would I would vie for a written contract I know not everyone's going to agree with me on that and I know some people will do verbal contracts but for me just in terms of that clarity a written contract I don't know it just feels so much safer and from what I've heard as well in terms of stuff around complaints if there's something written it's very very clear and also it it actually helps with conversations because when you have conversations about you know misunderstandings around boundaries you can kind of return to it in a very you know non-shaming way to just say oh you know how oh let's just go over this and how is this for you and all of that so that's one thing i say the other thing i say is find a supervisor who knows about private practice okay i really really think this is important because obviously supervision is essential for well, all therapists, all therapists need to be in supervision. But but when you're new in private practice, because of everything that we've been talking about today and everything Jane talks about on this podcast, you know, you actually need a supervisor who knows about the world of private practice. And it's going to be really useful for you as well to do all your reflection in terms of what do I need to think about with my business what do I need to think about with, you know, all the therapeutic stuff? Where are the two overlapping? And, you know, to have someone objective, standing back and looking at the decisions that you're making, you know, all that space to reflect, you know, so much reflection can be done, particularly in those first couple of years when you're going into private practice. So, yeah, you know, choose a, choose a supervisor who knows the world of private practice. And I do think that's, that's very, very useful for people
0: well that advice is golden because you know if you're in private practice and the person you're seeing isn't there's such a disparity there isn't there and the, i know with me i know when i was when i was a counselor one of the things that i came back to time after time was money, money mindset, me feeling bad about charging, me feeling bad about, you know, enforcing a boundary about cancellation or anything like that. It was really helpful for me knowing that my counsellor, sorry, my my supervisor, when I talked about these things through with her, she was able to, you know, discuss it properly with me because it was something that she understood and knew about and that was just so good. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, fantastic
1: yeah absolutely thank you jane do you mind if i end on a quote Um, absolutely it's my own quote Um, cool uh, as i I am a guest i'll just do my own (laughs) but it really touches on what you just said there so i think it's a a good one to end because i love the fact that you said that you talked about money in supervision you know this is going to be such a big thing but it is is such a big thing in private practice all the psych psychology around money whatever's going on for you and of course whatever's going on for your clients as well around money so really being able to take the time to explore that um is is so is so important so for me it forms part of this so so this was uh, something i said when i was uh, doing a workshop on private practice at the BACP student conference last year so 2021 so that you can feel confident that you have thought things through so i know myself i know who i am I know what kind of business I run. I know how I want to present myself. I know how I run my practice. I know my worries. I know the things that could crop up. I know how I am with boundaries. Brilliant. Absolutely. There's a lot of knowing in that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's Absolutely. the reflection. That's the amount of reflection. And yes. knowledge is power, folks. You know, yeah, it, there's a lot to think about. But that is... It's so empowering to be able to do that ourselves as private
0: practitioners. Absolutely. It's 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 a part of practice that I don't think people necessarily understand that how much there is of learning, and I love that. I think it's what makes it so dynamic and interesting, and it's how you make the business work for you, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Oh, Kaz, do you know what? It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. So anybody listening to this is obviously going to say, right, I want to get to know Kaz. What's the best way for them to find you? Where, where would they find you? Yeah, probably the best way to find me is if you're on
1: Twitter or Instagram, I'm at KazBilly. So at C-A-Z-B-I-N-N-Y on Twitter. And I'm uh, night owl counsellor on Instagram. So it's at night underscore owl underscore counsellor. And uh, I'm also co-lead of Therapist Connect. So you can find me there as well, therapist connect on Instagram and uh, therapist underscore C on Twitter. Or you can email me on casbinstead.counseling.com at gmail.com and I know Jane's got
0: some details that she'll put somewhere so (laughs) so if you're if like me you're listening to this as you're out walking the dog do not worry when you get home just have a look somewhere around this recording I'll put links to all of those different places so you'll be able to contact Kaz. Thank Thank you so much Kaz I really appreciate you giving us some time and I know that people will have really got a lot out of this call. Thank you Jane it's always a pleasure talking to you all the best. See, I told you Kaz was amazing. Now, I really enjoyed talking with her. She brings such knowledge and passion about helping counsellors in private practice. So, Kaz, look, thank you so much for sparing some time to come and talk to us. We do appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I really hope that we get to talk again soon. Now, why don't you go and say hi to Kaz and tell her that you heard about her on the grow your private practice show you can hit find her in different places so if you like twitter i know kaz loves a bit of twitter so go on twitter and have a look for kaz binny so that's c-a-z-b-i-n-n-y and say hi to her there or if you're an instagram person have a look for night owl counselor so that's night underscore owl underscore counselor and be sure to check out her website which is Kaz Binstead so that's C-A-Z-B-I-N-S-T-E-A-D.com and I'll put all of the links to those things somewhere around this recording so just go and have a look and you can click straight through to connect with Kaz. So that's it for today. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Kaz, so much for being here. I hope that you have a fantastic week and, you know, take really good care of yourself and I'll see you soon. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.